Welcome to Watford Matters with Dean Russell. I'm the Member of Parliament for Watford and in these community podcasts we look at a range of examples of influencers and community leaders across Watford and beyond to look at uh, in particular most recently around the issues of the Covid crisis but also more broadly around what matters to people in Watford and today I'm really pleased to say I've got the Deputy Editor of Watford Observer. Uh, so we're turning the tables a little bit. Normally I'm the one being asked all the questions, but today I'm going to be asking Rob uh, from Watford Observer a few questions and, and having a chat around how lockdown has impacted them and also um, what they see uh, as their role within the community. So welcome, Rob. So in terms of your, um, obviously you're the deputy editor at Watford Observer, what does that actually involve? A surprising number of things. Uh, the thing that most readers would see is putting stories on pages, um, deciding where they'll go, headlines, presentation, that's in the physical paper. Um, uh, I have something of a role online as well, although um, I have a colleague, um, Anne Yip, who sort of is much more of an internet specialist, but we, we sort of tag team slightly. So again, we, we talk to reporters about stories, try to advise them on um, how to deal with them, how to approach various things, what we should, what we should prioritise. The presentation of the website and the, and the paper, mm-hmm. as with all modern jobs, there's an awful lot of emails, Teams meetings, phone calls, all manner of other things that go on in the background. And, and how do you manage, I mean, how do you actually practically manage that? Because I, I always look in admiration to anyone who works in, in your sphere, especially around how do you make sure that the layout and the, the length of the stories and everything fits together into a perfectly composed newspaper each week? Because I, I know when I've done reports and, and work myself, you know, that, that can take weeks in itself and you're having to do it in probably hours. I think the answer is we try to have a structure um, and that sort of, it goes from structuring a day so that we have a news meeting at the start so we know broadly what's going on although very often by the end of the day that initial sort of list and schedule has been torn up Um, (laughs) but equally knowing how to structure stories uh, it's something you know we're we're trained in you know when we go to college there is a a way of breaking down stories into so that you make sure that both sides are represented So you've got balance if there's sort of two two competing points of view. As I say, we have sort of, I know I I have sort of mental templates for how things should be. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you look at a story and you think, well, hang on, we haven't haven't asked them. Or hang on, what day did this happen again is a very basic one. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Who's told us this is is another Mm. question to ask. Um, If if we sort of allowed it to be the, you know, the the terrifying wild beast of current affairs, it, it would you know, quickly sort of get on top of us, but yeah, you, know, you, you try and sort of impose a structure on things and that's a way of keeping things under control so that you can uh, sort of get them nailed down into, into stories and onto pages. And I, I just find it fascinating because how do you manage to get, because obviously there's a regular flow and the, the paper's pretty much the same size or it seems to be each week in terms of the number of pages, stories and so on. Do you have like a bank of stories that you pull out or is it literally that you you try and have everything so it's up to date that week. I mean, how do you manage to, to manage the team, as it were, to, to get those stories in? There's a balancing act. The, the paper is often the size it is because of, uh, simply because of the, the amount of adverts you're able to mm. sell. Uh, there's a cost to printing a paper, which is offset by advertising, and you try to make a bit of money on top of that to pay everyone's wages and yeah. 
have <laughs> profits and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, often in the background there are discussions such as if it, if it becomes too big, you can't fill it, and you, then you perhaps need a bank of stories. However, you're aware that, you, that if you dip too much into the bank of stories that are obviously not current or local, your readers will notice. Uh, you know, we, we try to get to the point you know, on a Thursday afternoon that you know, we've got the paper just about full and we've got all of the important stories in. On a good week, you might have to shuffle out some of the less important ones. On a mm. bad week, you could be scrambling around um, on the latter part of the afternoon trying to, trying to fill the gaps. And do you have like a hard deadline? Because I know I, I always feel guilty because you very kindly uh, let me have a column in the paper and I, I'm probably one of the ones who, who sends it over the closest to, to the deadline. I always feel guilty about it, but I'm conscious of trying to make sure it's as up to date and relevant as it, as it can be. But uh, how do you sort of decide, actually, no, now is too late. That's it. You, um, you're going to have to miss the, the opportunity or miss the story. There, there is a printer and there is a printing slot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we, we, we get emails and then phone calls saying, what, where is your paper? <laughs> where is this page? Um, so you you try your best to avoid that. Yeah, um, I can imagine. And and yeah. and of course during the during the COVID crisis, I know we were talking briefly earlier, but you know when we talk about teams, obviously you haven't been able to work at your offices. So how, how have you managed that process? Because you've obviously had the paper running very uh, successfully during the COVID crisis, and I've, I've you know I think a lot of people have felt it's quite a lifeline as well to have a, a connection to the outside world, especially those who've been extremely vulnerable and not been able to go out. So how have you managed to make that work? We have emails, we have teams, we have WhatsApp groups, uh, we, we call each other. Uh, so we start the day with a news meeting, mm -hmm. which is just that way everyone knows roughly what the big priorities are for the day. They can change and, and we have to rely on letting one another know what's going on. It's, it's one of the things you sort of don't think about. Um, and to mm. the, the point when you know it's gone wrong is when, of course, you realise that you don't know something because someone hasn't told you something. Yes. Um, and uh, uh, a secret of the newspaper world, people who are writing thing, good at writing things down are not necessarily good at talking to people, even at the next desk in an office. Mm. <laughs> it's um, often the case. <laughs> um, and so uh, I, I know it's a sort of um, a fault an editor of mine found in me years ago, which I, I was couldn't deny. So it's a case of you, know, you have to think, have I told this person this? Um, mm. Should I tell this person this now, quickly, before it becomes too late? Many people in the newspaper world suffer from it. I'm sure many people outside the newspaper world suffer from it. I think it's quite common <laughs> in offices. You know, I remember sitting, I used to work in, in uh, comms and digital and so often people are sort of there with their headsets on and just typing away or coding away or whatever and I, I remember you know being quite looking across an open office open space office and everyone had their headphones on everyone no one was talking to each other and then I noticed two people next to each other using I think back then it was MSN messenger or something but you know and they were talking to each other on via typing but sat next to each other and I think you know it's one of the challenges of um, of modern life isn't it hopefully we we're gradually moving away from that. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we, we end up in the bizarre world where we may be um, talking to one another on Zoom or Teams yes. um, <laughs> while in the same office. Yes, I remember the first time I saw someone emailing someone at the other end of the office. I, I did wonder what on earth they thought they were doing. Um, <laughs> of course, I've never done it myself. Yes, um, of course, me neither. <laughs>
And what, what is your background, actually? Obviously, you, you have a massive impact on, on local community and um, uh, through the paper and through the choice of what stories you think are important and so on. What, what sort of led you to, um, to be the deputy editor at uh, Watford Observer? I think, appallingly, the student newspaper, um, mm -hmm. when I was at university, found myself, in my final year, I was sort of organised enough to sort of think, oh, I can, uh, there, there's a news meeting which anyone can attend. I'll go mm -hmm. along to that and see, see what I can do. You can, you can write something useful and to sort mm -hmm. of learn the ropes as you go along. And handily at university, there's, you know, the means to do it without um, any cost, I suppose. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a luxury you don't think about at the time, but um, after university, any time you spend doing work experience is very much time you might otherwise be earning money yeah absolutely um, absolutely and and, so. and on, with that in mind as well obviously journalism and in particular newspaper industry and, and magazines as well have had a, a really rough 10 15 years you know the rise of the internet mm. we were joking about emailing colleagues around the office but actually the internet has changed so much i mean how how has that affected Watford Observer? You know, what are your thoughts on the industry as it stands? Do you think it's going to change any more over the next few years? It'd be really great to get your thoughts on that. It has, you know, there's no doubt it's affected the industry hugely. In the time I've worked, when I first started working in newspapers, the dailies were, hit, were being hit hard by the internet and gradually that passed to weekly papers as well. Mm. Eventually even magazines, you know, various various things that we did became available elsewhere on the internet and so you know we've had to adapt uh, yeah. it's to some degree i think it's it's made us better in that we actually have a better understanding of what our readers want mm. years ago when i sort of joined the newspaper industry i was sort of slightly disappointed we never seemed to really ask our readers what they wanted there was very little market research we sort of to, to some degree you know, the newspaper industry did what it always had done. And as, as the sort of the internet sort of dominance grew, newspapers ultimately, you know, were forced to become leaner. One of the things that the internet tells you straight away is what people are interested in. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. you soon know of what you put online, you, 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 you get the figures, you know, we, we can see live how many people are clicking on things and the next day we get a little report. Oh, fabulous, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it can be uh, exciting, but it can also be a bit chastening. Oh, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, I can um, imagine. it's funny is it's that the stories that you probably assume are going to do really well are probably the or the ones that you're not so sure about. Are probably the ones that that get the highest hit sometimes, are they? Yes. Or, or coronavirus has been. I mean, that's sort of. I think it's accelerated lots of things in lots of areas of commerce that were yeah. probably the case anyway yeah you know, that, that weak areas it sort of made them that much more apparent more quickly you know we've certainly done a lot of learning before lockdown and just after we had readership like we've never had before people were fascinated you know they wanted to know everything yeah. it was yeah you know quite astounding um, I think after a while with, with sort of lockdown going on, that interest died off. Um, I think people were overwhelmed for a while by, mm. by the data and also by the, how frightening the data could be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and to some degree, you know, once they were hunkered down, didn't want to look at that too much. 
how we emerge from it is another question and that's um you know that's quite an interesting one it's you know we're, we're finding out what people are interested in and equally i think one of our biggest stories recently has been nothing to do with coronavirus has been poor old watford fc absolutely i think you know on that i, I remember i, I had a, an informal uh, get together with um the chief executive council actually and, and watford football club to look at how we can uh, we can help them in terms of the stadium and then of course the um the awful news that they were uh, g- going down was um uh, was horrible. I, I put me in a very bad mood, <laughs> I have to say, when I watched that match uh, or afterwards. Uh, but but I think you know they'll they'll definitely come back stronger. I have no doubt of that. But it's but in terms of the 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 crisis itself, one of the things I've I've noticed is that people have been more connected to their community, and I suppose the newspaper in a way helps tell those stories. I was just interested to get a sense from you. You know, how do you choose the stories? And, you know, what do you look for within a story when people are sending them in or when you're sending your journalists out? It's an unhelpful thing to say. Most journalists would say, you know, oh, you sort of know what a story, you know a story mm. when it comes along. It's just like, you know, when you've been bitten by something. Yeah. <laughs> um, you don't know what or why, but it's happened, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, one of the stories that did amazingly well was um, Anthony Joshua at the Black Lives Matter. Mm. Right. That, that that even took us by surprise. You know, we knew it was worth going. We sent a reporter, but uh, his speech did astoundingly, astoundingly well. Um, people obviously had an appetite to, you know, hear what he was saying. So yeah, that was a, that was that was one where we thought, well, we better get along to that, and uh, mm. it, it paid off. Um, yeah, absolutely. And when other newspapers pick you or others journalists and other, uh, other broadcasters pick up what you do as a as a newspaper is that it, how does that feel is that do you feel like oh my gosh they've, they've taken what our work and sort of reused it or do you see it as oh actually that's a really great sign that we've done a good job as journalists both uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> i mean yes obviously if, you, if you've got to a story first then you know clearly that's that's a good thing and if other people then pick up on it you know, you, you know, you, you've got to it first. I suppose in in, now, in this day and age, what we call churn, you know, mm. journalism, rewriting is inevitable. Um, yeah. Years ago, if another paper got to something, um, you would you'd take a sort of a sceptical look at it, perhaps try and find a new angle, a new way of looking at it, try and move it on. Whereas nowadays, if something's very good, you're almost obliged to get your own version up. Mm. As quickly as you can um, because otherwise you've missed it yeah. unless you happen to know something else which you can um, immediately do and that, that that's you could take an old school view of it and say you know you shouldn't do that but we're a commercial industry you'd be a mug not to and, and in terms of um, looking at the role of, of journalists I know that you have quite a small team but uh, pack a powerful punch in terms of the 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 volume of work that you do and in terms of often the, the 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 spread of that how do you manage your time i mean one of the things that i've been speaking to different uh, community leaders on is how do they manage their time on a personal level to be able to achieve everything they do i was just interested from your perspective how do you manage to do that on an individual basis one thing i would say for our team is on occasion i've been astounded at the amount of work Mm. you know that some they get through in a day um you know I've one or two reporters you look at their news list and you think 
I say to them, are you sure you're going to get all this done today? <laughs> and, you know, some days they do and, yeah. and hats off. Um, you know, they are there. I can honestly say I genuinely like every single member of my team. They're sometimes amazingly well motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly we try and keep things within office hours, although, you know, I'm certainly guilty of, you know, working beyond that and then sometimes a bit beyond that if, I, if needs be. And you know you you'll you'll discover that you know one of our reporters has seen a plume of smoke on the horizon, yeah. On a on a Sunday and has quickly checked and they've got a got a story online within a few minutes and you, you'll have thousands of hits. Gosh, so you yeah. know they, they they have a very good work ethic and technology helps. Um, you know we've uh, you know written the odd story, sat at the end of the bed on Christmas Eve on my phone once or twice. Um, <laughs> It's uh, <laughs> because we can, you know, we nowadays we have laptops and mobile phones, so you, the amount you can get done mm. is actually quite surprising. You can do something quite effective with with very little. Yeah, it's uh, really interesting. To, I have a, a huge respect. I have to say, I'm not just saying it for the call for regional journalism. Actually, I think some of the best questions I get asked um, as a as a member of Parliament actually is from a regional perspective, because often there's a lot more insight into the challenges and in fact i don't know if i've ever uh, mentioned this to you guys at uh, watford observer but on the daily briefings that were done by number 10 every day um actually the reason why they started to put regional journalists on was because i asked so i i actually uh spoke to number 10 and asked them if they'd um do that so it wasn't just national journalists uh, but allowed uh, much more regional and within three days they'd, they'd done that which i was really pleased about I was disappointed they didn't include you guys. I did. I did ask, <laughs> but um... I think one one of our company Sussex papers, the Brighton oh, Argus header, we spotted them on there. Um, oh, brilliant! So... No, yeah. So that that was just because I I felt that actually that I, I thought the questioning to the prime minister and and the others during those daily briefings would be helped by having that local knowledge. So um, yeah. So I thought that. So you've always got a champion in the, the industry there from me and just just a, a final opportunity for you actually just thinking about it um i'm a member of parliament what what things do you get frustrated about from politicians when you're doing interviews and getting them involved in papers be as blunt as you like <laughs> i suppose not answering questions is the, yes. <laughs> the classic journalistic answer or uh, yeah i mean that's that's the yeah you know we we you know we know why we're asking a question and everyone's you know watched or listened to an interview mm. and the the politicians dodged it. Um, I'll try. I'll try. Uh, I'll try not to. I'm, I'm probably been. Uh, there's a, there's a joke I heard a while ago, which is that why do you never invite uh, politicians to a quiz? It's because you'll never get a straight answer. So yeah. <laughs> probably. Uh, <laughs> but I'll, I'll definitely. I'll do my best to uh, uh, to um, not do that uh, as much as I can. But and and any final words just from you to anyone who's thinking of of um, going into journalism or working especially in local newspapers what what would your um, words of advice be to them to get into regional journalism which is classically the way in um, various courses offered by various colleges the national council for the training of journalists is the sort of yardstick mm-hmm. they have preliminary qualifications and then senior qualifications try and get some work experience study on a course you you, you learn the basics then law public affairs all the rest of it it's uh, then a matter of trying to talk your way into a job or um it's uh, i mean again 
the world is changing what, what things will look like in five years time i don't know um but that, that's still the the routine it may even be worth just trying to submit some pieces to papers you know we're, we're always grateful for anyone that can you know send us something usable i'm sure once we're able it would be good to get people back in and start showing them the ropes um that's brilliant well look any any final comments from you before we uh, we finish off the podcast looking at things that made watford unique many sort of people and groups you know all of whom you know contribute so we mentioned Watford FC things are actually I would say looking hopeful in that direction um, yes. the, the new manager or coach certainly sounds like an exciting prospect yeah absolutely um, we can't not mention the enormous role the club played helping the hospital absolutely that was above and beyond what anyone might expect um, the chamber of conscience um, Watford together there's a sort of a beating heart um, with sort of companies and groups like the Rotary Club in Watford that um, give the place a more of a sense of community than you might expect so we were hoping to do a bit of a shout out really oh brilliant no, that's um, absolutely so, uh, absolutely agree having a mention in the local newspaper for the work that's been done is um, is incredibly powerful, and I think actually being able to see in print, especially in print, online is really important. But having a physical copy of, of of an article where it's been written about you or about the work that you've done, not me, but as in the community organisations, it really does make a difference. So I'd say you know Watford Observer is absolutely um, interlinked in that. Uh, even if you you're not giving out the water, actually letting many more people know that it's happening, I think has been really powerful. Well, look, th- thank you so much uh, for taking time out to do this podcast. I know we've overrun uh, very slightly, but um, it's been wonderful chatting to you. And uh, it's great to know uh, that your finger is on the pulse at all times and, and your teams are across Watford. So thank you. Uh, this has been Watford Matters with Dean Russell. I'm the Member of Parliament for Watford. And uh, you can find uh, other interviews that I've done with community leaders and influencers across Watford on Spotify, on Apple, just search for Whatever Matters with Dean Russell. Thank you for listening.